Last week, last week I, I got a little bit of um, heckling because you thought I was making fun of Gary's height. Because I used him in, a, in an illustration. Well, um, the Lord had Gary's name on his mind. Tell him what the Lord did this past week at the conference. <laughs> Do you know if you can? I don't know. Okay. Do, give I'll it try. your best shot, brother. We were at the conference in uh, Fredericksburg this past week. And, uh, and God was moving. And was, his presence was very strong. Mm -hmm. And in particular, meeting at that, that night, uh, there was healings going like mad everywhere. Maybe three or 400 people wow. being healed out of. Uh, but anyway, I want. The expectation was in my heart. Obviously, God put it there. Hmm. And, I, and I, I, I've heard this voice, that God speaking to me softly, to take out my... <laughs> take out that hearing aid. Wow. Now, the hearing aid... Was to help my right ear, hmm. not my left ear, because that was pretty good. But it helped to magnify uh, the deadness in the right ear. So I, okay, I took it out. And I, <laughs> the louses were coming wow. from right here. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I know a lot of miracles were going on that night, yeah. but that was my miracle. That was your miracle. And, uh, Amen. And I thank God for that. All right. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> you know, uh, something that... Uh, Jennifer said a lot of wonderful things, and, and I, I just want to uh, hone in on one of the things. Some, sometimes you have to get out of the ordinary to watch God do the extraordinary. And, uh, you know, I know, uh, I know uh, you know, there are conferences going on around our nation. You know, there are conferences in Florida, conferences uh, up in Fredericksburg. Um, but the things that God is doing in our world, just amazing, isn't it? And, uh, and so it's okay to go there and, and, uh, and see what the Lord is doing and, and, and get touched by that. Get, you know, let, let the Lord minister to you. You know, uh, one of the things that I've, I've learned in my walk um, you know, having gone to Brownsville, having gone to Promise Keepers, having gone to a number of conferences over the years, um, and uh, and one of the things that I've learned is that I don't necessarily go trying to get an anointing, um, but I'm going to go find out how somebody else got the anointing, because what the way they sought God, the way they went after the Lord, their their disposition as they pursued the Lord, I learned from that. I glean from that, and I and I take it to my to myself. I, I what's called sanctify it to yourself. Something I picked up a number of years ago. So I would encourage you. You know, I'm I'm excited about what the Lord is doing, and uh, I think I, we probably because I know we had 20 some people go to that conference, and we could probably spend the rest of the time uh, talking uh, about what the Lord did and what they saw. And uh, and so I, let, let me let's do it this way. Um, if you went to the conference and you saw the Lord do do something amazing, whether it was the one in Fredericksburg, I know the Starks were down in Florida. If you went, just raise your hand up where you're at. 
Okay. Uh, go see one of them and get their testimony. Find out what the Lord did and uh, get them to pray for you. Um, the guys, we're going to kick off uh, the uh, Thursday night men's study um, this coming Thursday. There's a stack of books at the back. When we started this morning, there were 40. Um, there's somewhat less than that. But get your book. This, is a, this book is called The Jesus Fast. And some of y'all are saying, Pastor Ken, why are you talking about fasting? That's not good. Don't talk about fasting. <laughs> We'd rather talk about feasting. Why can't you bring a cookbook? Um, why can't you do something different? Why are you talking about fasting? I know. I get it. This book has less to do with not eating and more to do with it being a prophetic word in the timing of the Lord. You don't want to miss the timing that God is bringing to pass. It's possible. I think there are churches that are kind of clustered away that don't stay in touch with what the Holy Spirit is doing in the world. Um, this book written just a couple of years ago, uh, when I read it, after I read it, I was like, this, this book describes us right up until the middle of 2020. Like, I can track my life and what God is doing in the earth with this book. So I would just encourage you guys, don't come out to say, well, I'm not interested in that, the content of a book called The Jesus Fast and, and, and stay away. Because if you stay away, then you're going to miss uh, the, the, the timing of this thing. And so I would encourage you, uh, be a part of that. Uh, we start this coming Thursday at 7 o'clock, um, 7 to 8.30, Thursday nights. It'll be about, a, I, think, a, I think I tracked it, probably seven or eight weeks we'll spend in this book. Um, but more than that, we'll, we'll pull together, we'll pray, we'll watch what God does. And uh, I believe he's got some amazing things in store, not just for your house, but for this house. You know, God uses your story uh, intertwined with our story. It's not separable. It's, it's intertwined. It's something that God is doing in your life that he wants to overflow into this house. One of the things that I, I always love as, uh, as, we're, you know, as we get into those intimate moments, I had no less than three. There were more than that this morning. I, you know, people saying, Pastor, I feel like the Lord's saying this. I feel like the Lord's saying this. I feel like the Lord's saying this. And, uh, you know, and I, and I feel like Union Station, you know. <laughs> I feel like, foo, 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 foo. Okay, let's just put down, the, uh, put down the, the Bible and just go with those. But no, we're not going to do that. But nonetheless, I do believe God's got some things for us. At the conclusion of the message today, we're going to pray for healing. Um, so if you need healing in your body, I just love Gary's uh, testimony. You know, the, the Bible says that uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Uh, whenever God does something in somebody's life, uh, it can be repeated over and over and over again. People get healed by uh, the preaching of the scriptures that have to do with healing. And uh, that's how it happens. Faith gets built in people's hearts. Um, I want to talk with you today from, I hope you have your notes, and, and we're going to be in, uh, we're going to dive in here in, in a minute to Matthew chapter 16. But I want to set up um, how this whole thing takes place. Um, I was having a conversation the other day um, with my kids Actually, overhearing a conversation with my kids. And uh, how many of you, let me, let me do this before I go anywhere. How many of you were like born and raised in Gloucester County? Just raise your hand. Born and raised in Gloucester County. Okay. Uh, I think I know this by default. How many of you were not born and raised in Gloucester County? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay. All right. So when I came to the county 30 years ago, I found out that there were two separate groups there were the from here's, and then there was everybody else, right? Um, they're the come here's, right? How many of you have heard that, uh, that phrase? Okay, good. 
Uh, I'm not the only one. I, I think the from here's never say that. I think they, uh, about themselves, I, you know, they just say, bunch of come here's. Yeah, anyway. And, and by and large, you know, Lighthouse has always been a come here church. I mean, it's, it's you know, so I'm, uh, but now my wife, she, she's from here. Well, she was born in Hampton, but she's, she's a from here. So, I'm, so we're, we're a blended family. We're a blended family. Um, she's, she's a from here, I'm a come here, right? And, uh, and so what that means is that, uh, that we are displaced from my uh, place of origin. The things that I'm familiar with, the things that I grew up with when I was a boy are foreign lands to my family. And, and so, you know, for me, going back to visit is going back and staying in touch with my story. Uh, you know, I, I need to remember who Ken Kramer is. Uh, I, and so I need to go back and I, I, I need to see those cornfields where I grew up. And I need to go down that uh, piece of that patch of dirt road that's still dirt, by golly, all these years later. Uh, the one stretch of Tamarack Road that I grew up on that had three houses in it, on it, and it's still dirt, and it's still chatterbump, just like I remembered it, like washboard because of all the tractors running up and down the road. And, uh, and so that's, that's home to me. That was like, that's what I knew. Uh, those cornfields, that little stretch of land that we had, that little uh, kind of double-wide trailer that I grew up in, that's home. And, and when we go uh, up through there, my kids look at that, and they go, eh, you grew up there, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like really not, and, and, and so to go to my dad's town, he lives in Barrington. Barrington is so small that uh, welcome to Barrington is on one side of the sign. Barrington city limits is on the other side of the sign. It has one flashing light. I think it goes out occasionally, stops flashing. They don't miss it. I mean, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just a small area. And so, so, but when my kids, so, so for me, coming to Gloucester, that was like, wow. We got stoplights. And the stoplights have multiplied since I've lived here in 30 years, right? And, uh, and, and so we got stuff, you know? And so, but my kids grew up in this, and they go, Gloucester? Ah, why would you want to be from Gloucester, you know? And uh, so be, stay in touch with your story. And so there are things that are part of who I am as Ken Kramer that, I, that were important for my kids to get a hold of. And one of those things was I, I have an adventure gene. I like to go places. I like to do things. I don't like to just sit still. I like to, I like to travel. I like to, and that fits really well. with. And so there were stories that my, my, I wanted my kids to be able to tell, and I wanted us to own together. Um, a number of years ago when my kids were very, very young, uh, the Lord put it on my heart to, uh, to take them on their first missions trip when they were 10 years old. So Heather and I went to China. Um, we, we, were, uh, we met in a house church. Then we went on up into Kunming, about three hours outside of, uh, uh, or uh, about three hours outside of Kunming. We were in Beijing and then Kunming, uh, which were quite a flight uh, apart from one another. We went up way up in the mountains. And uh, I remember Heather, you know, she's 10 years old and she's tired. And we're going up to meet some villagers. And uh, they, were all, uh, they were all subsistence farmers. And so they worked way up in the mountains. And then they'd bring their harvest back down to the village. And somebody had given this little church. I mean, it was a, it's actually amazing. The, the village was 200, uh, but the church was 300 because they pulled people in from all around the world. Uh, I mean, all around the, the villages, all the different uh, farms. And so somebody had given them some orchestra instruments, and they were up there in the middle of nowhere uh, playing their instruments. 
and learning how to play hymns. And so they were up there, and so Heather is going up there, and she's like, ah, ah, worn out. Ah, ah. And I kept saying to her, honey, just ask yourself the question. Do you think there are any American girls who have ever walked on this land where you're walking right now? I don't know, Dad. I'm awful tired, though. I'm tired of this. She wasn't getting the bigness of it. You know what I'm saying? Well, what about any girls from Gloucester? Do you think any girls from Gloucester have ever put their foot down on this piece of property? And so, I, you know, and so then when Alyssa's turn came around, uh, we went to uh, China, flew into China, flew into Hong Kong, and then we went on up to Tibet. Uh, but in, before we went on up to Tibet, we spent a day in Beijing, and Alyssa went around into the ICU unit in Beijing and prayed over babies in the ICU. Let me tell you, get a dad's heart just fired up. Watch your 10-year-old go through and lay hands on babies in an ICU in China. And, and, and my mind was just blown. Look at this. Look what God is doing. And then we went on up to Tibet and uh, I watched Alyssa give out uh, vitamins and scriptures to, uh, to nomadic children in, uh, in Nakchu, Tibet at about 14,000 feet. And, uh, you know, that was a chore, right? Uh, I remember Mark Zhang was with us, and he'd been playing soccer with those kids all day, and he got altitude poisoning. Whoa, he was up all night sick. And, uh, and you know, just doing the, doing the stuff. Jeremy and I, when he was 10 years old, we went to Cambodia, and uh, we got together with, we were there with SEAPC, and uh, 45 high school teachers who had never in that uh, in that uh, the last uh, 20 years had never done math or science in school we trained 45 high school students who had just come over from Buddhism and got born again. And I taught them on the life of Jesus for five days straight. And at the conclusion of the time on Saturday, all 45 of them got baptized. And they founded the first Christian school in Cambodia. And oh, by the way, they were the first ones to teach math and science since the 70s. And that became the number one school in Cambodia, still is today. And it's the number one in that district and the reputation of that school caught the attention of the government who said you can do this in the rest of the district and if you do well in the in this district uh in this province rather if you do well in this province we'll open all of cambodia to you they said can we bring jesus they said you can bring jesus So there's things that have to do with my story that have to do with pioneering. I want to go places and do first things. I want to go places and I want to dedicate what God wants to do. I want to put down an anchor there. I don't care about going where somebody else has already gone. I'm going to go where nobody else has gone. See, if you go where nobody else has gone, you have experiences that nobody else can say they've had. You know? And so what's your story about? What's your story about? Now, the reason I, I, I go all, all into this is because I want you to understand that Jesus, in order for him to really tell who he was, he had to take his disciples on a journey. He took his disciples about 30 miles off the beaten path from where they would normally go. He took them into the, what would have been considered to be the den of iniquity. If you were to take, some commentators said it this way, if, if you were to take New Orleans and San Francisco and Las Vegas and wrap them all together, you would have Caesarea Philippi. 
Caesarea Philippi, where our text takes place today in Matthew chapter 16. And it's very important because Jesus wanted his disciples to understand who he was, but they couldn't understand who he was until he got them to the right place. He wanted them to understand who he was, so he had to get them to the right place. Now listen carefully. Some of you are never going to understand who Jesus is unless you follow him to the right place. And sometimes he's got to do a little doing to get you there because you're in your comfort zone. You don't want to move out of it. But you're never going to learn. You're never really going to see him the way he wants you to see him until you get to that place that he wants you to be. So in our text today, in Matthew chapter 16, I didn't want you to, I want you to understand why Jesus would do what he did to get his disciples over there. He took them to a place. Jews didn't like going to Caesarea Philippi because, again, it was the den of iniquity of the day. It was the place where there was so much worship of idols and so much worship of other gods and so much sexual, sexual immorality that was connected to those things that Jews wouldn't, uh, wouldn't go there. They, they hated Caesarea Philippi even more than they hated Samaria. Uh, so Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Psalm 110, let's go ahead and read that while we're there. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule, uh, in, the, you will rule in the midst of your enemies. Now, uh, what I want you to see in this text, and, and the reason it's important for us, I'm going to change one word out of here. I'm going to use the, the Greek transliteration. The word for church is actually the word ekklesia in the Greek. Uh, now, the, the word church, we, we just caught a glimpse of this a year ago on New Year's Eve um, when Clorinda Cole came and talked to us about uh, the ecclesia. If you were here, you remember that uh, message. She was talking about uh, the difference between church and ecclesia. How many of you were raised on the King James Bible? That's right, the Bible Jesus read. Um, and, uh, it, you know, and it, the, the King James Bible, uh, King James commissioned some scholars to translate it the way, but King James, uh, he, had to, he had to approve uh, different words that were used throughout. And when it got to this word ecclesia, the word ecclesia means uh, it, it's, it comes out of the, the, uh, the common politics of the day. And ecclesia was almost like a Greek city-state. It was a little a mini-democracy that had its own leadership. And, and it extended uh, the authority of itself uh, one group at a time. And so you're the king, right? And you're in charge of everything. So you really don't want somebody else saying they're in charge of themselves. So King James said, let's just call it a church. Not ecclesia, but a church. 
So he changed the metaphor for what church was going to be. And the thing I want you to understand here today is that Jesus spent, uh, went to great lengths for his early disciples to understand what, who he was. He took them to the right place to declare who he was because he was about to launch something and he wanted them to see it clearly. Okay, So I have a little slide here that shows you the place where Jesus would have been with his disciples. This, is, uh, this would have been the backdrop. Uh, for where Jesus would have been in Caesarea Philippi at, at that time. Now, this is after all the buildings are gone, but what you see there, uh, those openings right there, that's a cave. But on, on, way down deep in, into the cave there, um, there is a, a flow of water that's so deep that they, they, they say nobody could ever get to the bottom of it. And, and that particular rock face is called the Gate of Hades. So... Caesarea Philippi was named by uh, the, the son of a Caesar, and emperor worship was, uh, was proliferated through all of uh, Caesar's dynasty. So they would say not just that he's the ruler, but they would say he's God. So Caesar is God, and then you had Pan who was being worshipped at the gate of Hades. Are you tracking with me? So, so the worship, there would be buildings that were built out in front of this, uh, worship centers to worship the god Pan, uh, which was just a, an updated name of Baal. So it was Baal's, Baal worship, Pan worship. It was sexual immorality. It was fertility cults. It was sacrifice of humans, sacrifice of animals. It all took place there, and you can understand why the Jews didn't want to go. So Jesus goes all the way down to the gate of Hades. So when he's standing here having a conversation and he, he uh, checks the polls first. Who do men say that I am? How am I doing in the polls? Who do men say that I am? And, and so they ran down the list. Some say John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say one of the prophets. And then he says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter gets it right. Now, whether or not he, he, uh, he thought about it before he spoke, you know, sometimes it's in life it's uh, uh, ready, aim, fire, and then sometimes it's fire, ready, aim. Right? Depends on your firing order in life. Some of us don't think before we speak. But in Peter's case, it worked out well for him. Because he speaks. He said, you're the Christ. Now, for the Jewish mind, the Jewish mind, Psalm 110 is one of the most quoted, is the most quoted passage in the New Testament as it relates to, uh, the, to the God who is the Messiah. He is the God of war. He's Lord Sabaoth. He is the God of war. He is the one who's going to come in and wipe out all the enemies of Israel. He's going to rule and reign. And so when they began to, when, when Jesus began to minister about his suffering, this was totally opposite of what Peter thought of when he said, you're the Christ. So the word Christ is not Jesus's last name. The word Christ is Jesus's anointing that that positions him to be the ruler. He is the God-man. And so when he hears this from Peter's lips, he tells him at that moment, you didn't get this from flesh and blood. You didn't get this from what everybody else was saying. You got this. You got this, but you didn't get it where everybody else would get their news. You got this from heaven. My father revealed this on the inside. And, and so here's in, in your text. Let's just hit your notes real quick. Jesus builds the ecclesia on the rock of the revelation of who he is. 
the rock of the revelation, the, the thing that God said on the inside of you. The, that is where it comes to be. That's where faith rises up. It's got to happen on the inside of you. If it's not happening on the inside of you, then, then what you're doing on the outside really isn't going to amount to much. It's wood, hay, and stubble. You and I have to live out of our relationship with Jesus. We, we, on this first Sunday of the year, we're saying, Jesus, we want to see you. Because from seeing you, we can live out the way we need to. Life is not all about what happens with our five senses, but it is what happens by revelation on the inside of us. We live from that place. And, and so Jesus is standing here with his disciples, and he's looking at what represents every, every worldly government. He's looking at emperor worship. He's looking at idolatry. He's looking everywhere that they would look around. They were having to duck their eyes because of temple prostitutes and all of the different things that are happening. These are holy men, and they don't want to be there. But Jesus has them there so that they can understand what it is that he's saying. He's saying, I'm the ruler of the world. And on this revelation, I will rule. On this revelation, I will rule. I'm going to rule my, my people one person at a time. Who do you? say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Let me tell you, church, we're never going to get anywhere trying to legislate righteousness in our world. We're never going to get anywhere trying to get people who are, who are, who are not saved to act saved because it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You can't be the Holy Spirit for them. You can't be somebody that just says, well, you ought not to do that. You know better than that. You know what? Unsaved people live like unsaved people. Pigs live like pigs. That sounds crass. I'm talking about nature. You can't expect a pig to act like a human. Right? You, you, you know, boy, that just really sounds rough, doesn't it? Hang with me, y'all. Understand where I'm coming from. In other words, we're, tr we're trying to make outward changes, but the Holy Spirit builds the kingdom of God from the inner work of what happens in a person's life. We have to surrender our lives to him. It's that personal revelation. It's not what your grandma said. It's not what mom said. It's not what dad said. You have to own this thing. Well, who do you say Jesus is? Jesus wanted them to get the full revelation. I'm the ruler of the world. Philippians 2 says it this way, that every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess. Can I tell you that that is a statement of reality? That every evil person will bow. Every good person will bow. Every, every person with a big bank account, they will bow. Kings of the earth will bow. Every person will bow. Why? Because it's his, his name is above every other name. Well, who gave you that? Are you God? Yes, he would say. Yes, in fact, I am. Now, he rules and reigns. That's his name. That's who he is. And, and we're not going to get around that. We can't do anything about that. God's not intimidated by anything that happens in this world. He is God, and Jesus is his son. And you and I will do well to bow the knee now. Because it's what happens on the inside of you. What's the story that God is writing on the inside of you? That's the thing I want you to get a hold of. So, so for a lot of the church, uh, they don't understand the Messiah they understand him only as Savior, right? So Savior's good. We love the Savior. But Jesus is more than somebody that just saves souls. He rules this world. He rules this world. 
He created this world with his words. It's his world. We just live in it. By him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Nothing was uh, created that uh, has been created without him. Nothing. He, he is involved in this whole process. And then he redeemed it and bought it back to himself. So you and I need to recognize who he is. That we, we need to realize he's more than the savior and healer. He is the ruler of all mankind. Some of us in this room, our God has been too small. We've only looked at him as the God who saves me and not as the God who rules the universe. The Jewish Messiah, Christ, he is the ruler of all heaven and earth. Secondly, Jesus builds the ecclesia in relationship to who we are. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Who do you say? Your story gets written into the activity of God in the world. Your story matters because you matter. What you say about God, how you live your life for the Lord, your story matters. Um, going back to my story, a uh, number of years ago, I had a, a favorite cousin when I was growing up. When I was growing up, uh, there were two uh, male cousins and all the rest female cousins. And let me tell you, I had a lot of female cousins, right? So I had two male cousins. They were all like, they were like 10 years older than me. And uh, one of them, when I was a boy, um, uh, one of the last memories that I have of, of uh, John Frisbee until a, as a boy uh, was that he brought his uh, hyperactive Irish setter to my house and said, hey, will you take care of my dog? I'm moving to Alaska. And so I said, sure. And I knew it was a lifetime gift, you know. And uh, so, uh, so my dog, Prince, or his dog became my dog. But I remember John loading every, all of his earthly belongings into the back of a, a, a Cheyenne Super, a red Cheyenne Super, uh, a three-quarter ton pickup. And he drove, this was like 45 years ago, he drove to Alaska, uh, had all of his tools in there, he was a mechanic, and he was just going, going without knowing, going to make a new life, going up there, he was in his 20s at the time, and uh, he said later, he said, I went through, I think it was two sets of tires and two windshields on the way to Alaska because it was all gravel at that time, and so, uh, you know, making his way up there, it took him about a month to get from Michigan to Alaska, and um, so a uh, number of years later, uh, I had the opportunity, Jeremy and I uh, went to Alaska uh, back, at, you know, back in 2013 on our, on our or 20, was it 2013, 2016, 2016 on our motorcycles. And, um, and so that was, I wanted Jeremy to meet John because John was significant in my story growing up because I always thought, I always bragged about my cousin who moved to Alaska. And I wanted him to see John. I wanted to see John in, in his element. I'd been there uh, back in 1985 to visit John, and he had sourdough that he had been, he had been growing that sourdough for 30 years when I saw him at that point. And he made sourdough pancakes and sourdough chocolate cake. That's right. All that good fattening stuff. And I wanted Jeremy to experience that. And I, uh, I, one of the things I treasure, I have a picture <clears throat> of myself and John Frisbee and Jeremy uh, when we went. He lived in Wasilla. And, uh, and so we, we went there and got a picture. And I, and I felt like, you know, this is my story, but I'm passing it on to my son. 
I'm letting my son have some memories and some experiences and some of the things that if I hadn't taken him there, he wouldn't have gone there, he wouldn't have gotten there, and he wouldn't have had that story that he could tell, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, five weeks on the motorcycles and just spending time together, it was awesome. That's part of our story together. We still talk about it today. You know what was amazing? Uh, our trip changed around a little bit. We planned on traveling all over Alaska. We ended up not. Uh, spent uh, three days with my cousin John and then loaded back up and came home. And six weeks after we got back, my cousin John died. Died, died out on a hunting trip with his son and uh, just uh, had a massive heart attack and died. And I thought, well, thank God. Thank God that we had the opportunity to spend some quality time together because it was usually about 10 years in between times that I would have gotten to see him you know what what are the stories that Jesus wants to be able to tell about your life what are the stories that he's taking you by the hand and leading you through life and saying no I know this is going to be difficult but I'm right here with you so you can do it you know that the darkness is not dark to God at all do you know that what's difficult for you is not difficult for him? Do you know that the one necessary ingredient to any testimony is a test? You may not like tests, but don't you like testimonies? And so you and I need to realize that God is writing his story through your life and my life. Who do you say that I am? Who do you, all of history... Uh, pivots on this one fulcrum. Who do you say that Jesus is? Not just your history, all of history. All of history pivots on this fulcrum. Who, what do you say about the ruler of the universe? Well, I don't really care. It doesn't really matter that God created the heavens and the earth. I don't really care. You're going to bow the knee one day. While you have your will, you can bow the knee now, and you can get to know the king of the universe. But whether you believe or you don't believe, everybody bows. Because that's what the words, everybody bows. Bin Laden's bowing. That general that just, he's bowing. Everybody bows to King Jesus. But we have the opportunity as the ecclesia, this is where he extends his scepter from. This is where we, we take his rule and reign, his love and his joy. How does God rule and reign? With peace. The gospel of peace. He rules and reigns through us. He establishes his kingdom through us. Last scripture, and then we're going to close. Or last point. The ecclesia brings God's governing power to the kingdoms of this world. This is, this is what we're here to do, church. We're not here to argue over the color of the carpet. We're not here to get involved in petty circumstances. We are here to bring the kingdom of God to earth. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors of the kingdom. We represent his authority wherever we go. That's why Paul would tell Timothy, don't get involved in civilian affairs. Don't get involved with pettiness. Don't get involved with little, little uh, arguments and nitpicky things that don't count for anything. Are there truths out there? Yes, there are truths out there. But sometimes you can major in the minors. Sometimes you can get to the place where all you're doing is nitpicking about this little truth and that little truth and the other little truth and you miss I am the way the truth and the life 
And no man comes to the Father but by me. Don't get tripped up with little petty things in life, right? We're here to extend his love and his life and his authority through our lives, right? And so I want you to know God is intimately involved in what you're, what's going on in your story. You never have to worry. You never have to ask the question, where's God when it hurts? He's right there with you. Where's God? He's got all of your days ordained before you. You just need to seek him because in seeking you will find him. In seeking, you will find. Some, some seasons, it's easy to seek God, right? Some days, it's harder to seek God. When things are going well, I find it harder to seek God because I'm busy having a good time. But when nothing's working, after I get done grumbling in my spirit, why is this going on? Then it's easy to seek God. Don't you find you grow the most? When you go through difficulty, when you go through trials, you hit your knees, don't you? Begin to trust God. Amen. Hey, let's stand this morning as we close. If you're in need of healing, uh, I, want to, uh, I want to encourage you in just a moment to step down and, and we're going to pray for healing. Um, uh, there was a, a, a word of knowledge earlier that somebody had something going on with their, their right arch Something, whether it was a blown out arch or something, some kind of pain or injury there. I don't know what it is. Uh, but if that's you, would you just step down? Uh, come on down here. And uh, we, we want to pray for you. If, you. if you need healing in your body for anything, just step out from where you're at. Come down. Um, I'm going to ask those that minister, come. And, and uh, let's pray over these folks right now. And uh, we'll, we'll minister uh, you know, the word of the Lord. We'll minister healing with, with them right now in Jesus' name. Go ahead, Bruce. Go ahead and begin to pray. And uh, and let's just close out in a, a time of worship this morning. Maybe there's something that the Lord spoke to you from the word this morning that you just want to settle that. If you want to come to the altar too, that's fine. Um, settle that with the Lord before we go today. And uh, let's, let's look, look into what God wants to do in 2020. Let's, let's look and see what the Lord wants to do. He wants to bring about his power through your life. He wants to extend his authority through your life. Not in a cocky way, not in a brash way, but a confident way. He wants you to walk in confidence that he rules and reigns, that he owns it all. And God wants to, he wants to bring things to pass through you in 2020 that you never thought possible. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are the Christ. Lord, I pray for that revelation to ring loud and clear in every heart today. You're the Christ. You're the ruler of humanity. Beside you, there is no other. Father, I pray today, Lord God, that the authority of Christ would, would become, uh, would start to bubble up on the inside of us. That whenever we encounter a challenge, Lord, we recognize it's not a challenge to us. But there's a world that needs to have the authority of Jesus brought to bear on it. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, that we are those people Lord God, that bring your power and your life wherever we go. You said in your word, every place we set our foot, it's yours. We extend the kingdom of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask you right now, Lord God, to stir our hearts and minds, Lord God, toward, uh, toward your power and toward the good things that you want to do. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just ask you right now to, uh, to minister right now in Jesus' name all over this room. Thank you, Lord, for your touch. Thank you, Lord. Lead us, Pastor Brian. I believe in you. I believe in you. 
challenge that I gave to the 8 o'clock that I'd like to give to, to you all that's going to extend for this entire year. And here's what it is, very simple. Um, I, I want you to come to church ready to minister. I want you to, every time we come together, whether it's a Wednesday night, whether it's a, whether it's a Sunday morning, whether you're on one of the teams and you're meeting at a different time, please come ready with a 20-second prayer and a $20 bill. Here's the challenge. Every, every week in our staff meeting, one of the things the Lord put in our hearts to do as a staff um, is to pray 20-second prayers over people uh, throughout the week. And we we'd bump into people in Walmart. We talk to them on the phone, whatever. And, you know, what, what will happen a lot of times is we'll hear a need and then we'll say, well, I'll pray for you. And then we walk away. You know, I want you to seize those moments. I want you to buy them up. So buy it up in prayer. It's just a 20-second prayer. It's not a long prayer. Um, you know, and I know for some of you, introverts unite. It, this is going to be hard. Introverts never unite. They want to stay uh, to themselves. And, um, but let me just challenge you. You know, you, you have a gift of God's presence. You have a gift of prayer. It doesn't belong to you. 
God doesn't put words in your mouth for you. He puts words in your mouth for somebody else. There's a scripture verse in Isaiah 50. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. You and I need to get comfortable ministering 20-second prayers. That's, that's one part. So be ready to do that. And, uh, and I may call for it in a service. I may not. But you're going to encounter needs. You're going to encounter people with needs, and you need to be ready to pray for them. The second part um, maybe is easier for some and harder for some. I don't know. But I want to challenge you to, to bring with you to every service a $20 bill. Now, if in your budget, it may be you, you, you say, Pastor Ken, I'm a teenager. I see a 20 about once every six weeks, you know. Um, you know, uh, what I want to challenge you to do is be ready with some uh, some uh, monetary amount that you can give away at a moment's notice because you're going to bump into somebody and maybe you can't meet all the need but you can you can vote I'm, I'm with you though I want to I want to release this into your hand and and you know what I found over the years is just the the fact that I have it with me will give me the opportunity to give it away. Um, I, I encounter opportunities to bless people. And can I tell you, uh, there's, just no, there's just no excitement that, you know, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But uh, I don't know if anybody has that, uh, you know, if you've, if you've been a part of that. But part of our culture is going to be when there's a need, we're going to minister to that need. And so a practical way to do it is just keep a 20 spot on you at all times, okay? Now, for some of you, you say, Pastor Ken, I can't do that, but once a month. Do it once a month. Maybe for you, it's every week. Maybe for you, it's, you know what? I, I don't feel like I'm doing anything with a 20, so I'm going to do 100. I'm going to follow you around. No. Um, Come on, somebody. I was, uh, I was sitting with a, a, another pastor uh, not all that long ago, and we were having breakfast together. And, uh, and a lot of times I'll, I'll, I, have a, I have a coaching business that I, that I run, and so sometimes I'll, I'll just have cash that I, uh, that I have right on, on my person. And, and I was sitting with him, and he's doing some writing. And, uh, and he said, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to get, a, I just completed this, my third book. And he said, I'm, I'm getting ready to get a, a cover for it. And he said, I'm just waiting for that $100 to come in. And, uh, and I was able to, and you, you it was like, it was like an electric shock. It was like when I handed him that money, he went, oh my gosh, thank you. And it was like Jesus himself. And I, I was like, I, I just was able to bless this guy. And he texted me later. He said, nobody has ever done that for me. I was like, well, thank the Lord. Jesus is looking out for you, you know. He wants to see this. So what God will do through this, I don't know. But I just felt impressed of him. Um, to say 20-second prayers, keep a 20 on you. Let's find a way to bless people as we go into the new year, okay? All right? Father, we thank you for your blessing on this house. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness to us, helping us to see Jesus in a way that we've never seen so that we can speak Jesus in a way that we've never spoken. Thank you, Lord God, for ministering to your people, blessing them abundantly today in the name of Jesus. Right now, Lord, before we go, Lord, I just pray over each and every person that talks for a living, whether they are a teacher, a trainer, a sales rep, a middle manager. Lord, Lord, you have taught us to craft our words carefully.
And I pray that Isaiah word that you would give us an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. God, help us to load our tongue up with love and grace so that when we speak, they hear the oracles of God. They hear the words of life. They hear ministry flowing off our lips. Something unique, something powerful, something sustainable. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that today. Amen. Hey, God bless you.